0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash podcast.
1: Well, you might have met a couple where one or even both of them came from an abusive home, and that pain can last for years. But the good news is, with God's help, those past hurts can heal. I'm John Fuller along with my friends and Focus colleagues, Greg and Aaron Smalley. They're in charge of our marriage department here at Focus. And Aaron, you counsel with a lot of couples. How often do you see a couple where there's a struggle because there's a past, Mm -hmm. an abusive parent or a relative, and they've never really healed?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I would say all the time that I, I meet people. Maybe it wasn't like a physical abuse or a neglect. But we've all been impacted by our human parents, that maybe there was a need that was not met, that was supposed to be met as a child. Maybe it was something that was said to us that we internalized. Just the other day, I was working with a couple, and he had a huge reaction whenever she came, when his wife would come to him and just try to gently confront him about something. Huge reaction. And so we began talking about, what did that look like for you when you got in trouble Mm. growing up? Well, this whole story unraveled of how he was spanked consistently at school for things he didn't really do. But then if he got spanked at school, he got spanked at home. And so there was this whole story there. So there's a difference between, we call it big T trauma, like major events, abuse, neglect, or small T traumas. Things were said to us. Things didn't happen as they were supposed to. Mm -hmm. Both have an impact. So it's just recognizing we have the opportunity as individuals. These things will surface in our relationship. So as they surface, I just encourage people, you know, take a look at it. Is it something I can go in and talk to a licensed Christian counselor about and start healing and yeah. seeking freedom?
1: Well, and some of the best uh, people I know at looking at your past and coming to terms with it and how it impacts today um, would be Mylon and Kay Yurkovich. Mm. They've written about this in their book uh, about love styles and We're going to hear from them now um, as we talk uh, a little bit further about these love styles. In previous episodes, we've covered the avoider and the pleaser. Here's Jim Daly talking about the three other main styles of love. Let's also cover the uh, vacillator, controller, victim.
2: So
3: hit those characteristics as well.
4: Okay. The vacillator is the protester. Um, They protest the lack of ideal. They like things to be ideal because if it's ideal, then they don't have to feel any difficult emotions. And the ones they feel the most, they have strong feelings inside, and they can pretty well describe them to you. But they're usually around themes of disappointment, abandonment. You let them down. You didn't see them. You didn't say the right thing. You didn't say it the right way.
3: So the vacillator is expressing this to those around them. Yes, yes. Angrily.
4: Angrily. So they, they kind of go from all good to all bad. So if they're in a good mood and their, their ideal is being met, they can be so much fun and lovely to be around and wonderful um, company. But if something disappoints them, they can flip moods really quickly. So avoiders flee, pleasers freeze, vacillators protest, and they're protesting the lack of ideal.
5: And their stress response is that they ruminate. So when they are stressed, they ruminate on what just happened, and they feel bad about that, and they think, what just happened back there?
4: Mm.
5: Why did that happen? Why did that person say that? Why did that person not look at me? Why did this person give that person a hug and ignore me when I walked by? Uh, Why, 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 why? And so they ruminate, and so that is their stress response. And then they lash out because they're upset with whoever spoiled the situation. Yeah.
4: And it really is a release of anxiety. It is. Intention. Intention. And, and a vacillator will tell you, I feel better after I vent. Right. But no one else feels better. There's
3: a, yeah, a field of
5: disaster. Right. And they, they don't yeah.
4: really realize they're dumping a lot of anxiety in that vent.
3: Yeah.
5: yeah. So the controller, you ask about the controller, which is a chaotic, disorganized home, is a home where there is fright without solutions. There's often neglect, there's often uh, substance abuse. And the child is victimized by the the inadequacy of the parent.
3: This is perhaps the most dangerous environment. It is, is very,
5: chaotic, very, very difficult, And children die here in this kind of a home. They literally do. Or they are taken from this home into foster care because child protective services get involved. But this child is not regulated by the parents. They're dysregulated by the parents. Mm. So when they're agitated, they. I had a man in my office one day who said, when I was 14, my dad handed me a bottle of wine and said, here, this will help take all the bad feelings away. Uh, 14-year-old kid, the dad handed him that because that's all the dad knew how to do to manage the distress that was felt in the home. that's what he did, obviously. That's what he did because these homes are filled with addictions and they're also filled with dysregulated emotions and behaviors. So if you came from this home, you might become a controller, and controllers get very stressed when things are not predictable to them. Yes. If they can't tell you what's going to happen right now, they get very agitated, and they want to put things back into a place where they can manage it. Mm -hmm. And then they protest just like the uh, vacillator, but they're not protesting a lack of ideal. They're protesting a lack of conformity. Yes. And then they will be very angry at people until they step back in line. The victims... Uh, simply lose a voice, they often dissociate, they often disconnect from the stressful events, and they become very passive and very complacent. And so that is
3: their stress response, is to simply check out. The phrase, and we're right at the end here, but I want to capture this, because again, I'm thinking of, in terms of conversations that we have as a normal course of things, Uh, When we describe a a young woman who always chooses the bad guy, Mm -hmm. is that typically, and I know this is fraught with danger, but is that typically a person that may come from a victim background where she's making those kind of choices? She's seeking out someone who is harsh.
4: Yes. Well, it's not a conscious thing. right Right, exactly. But victims do learn to tolerate the intolerable, and the intolerable is normal to them.
3: It's comforting. It's I wouldn't say in it's
4: comforting, but it's, it's, predictable. it's predictable. And when they go to marry, you know, the victim is going to be attracted to someone who is going to take charge and uh, be just like the parent that was in charge in their family. Yeah. And most often in these chaotic homes, there's a very dominant parent and a very passive parent. Right. And so they will replicate that model Mm. in their marriage. Mm.
3: Well, you guys, we have really cracked it open. I mean, this is the start. I think we've done a good job on the first day to paint the picture for the listeners. Let's come back next time and delve a little more into the marriage application of this, how those combinations work, things that people can do to uh, make the observation of where they're at and then what steps they
1: can take to begin to grow in Christ. Can we do that? Absolutely. Sounds great. Well, it's really insightful stuff. And Greg, go ahead and speak to the person listening who's from an abusive home. Offer them some hope if you can.
2: Yeah, first of all, as an adult now, boy, you have so much power and control around your healing. You know, as kids, when we're abused, we have very, very limited coping mechanisms, Um, few if any. And that's why you see for a lot of kids who experience abuse, they they learn to do life through with walls. Like you, you're hurting me. I don't know what to do. So I'm gonna build a wall. They carry that into their relationship. And again, the good news is, as an adult, you don't have to use those same coping mechanisms. And and you've got a lot of power, and and can heal from this. And yet, it's gonna take a whole lot of work, which is okay. And you've got to find the right Christian counselor to kind of help you walk, you know, that path and that journey Mm -hmm. out. But the good news is you're an adult and, and you can recover and not saying the scars will go away. They'll be there. But man, God is going to show you different ways of coping in relationships and how you've benefited because God promises that when we go through these hard times, he's going to give us something. There's a lot there Mm -hmm. that, that you can learn.
0: Well, and there's such an opportunity to walk through this together and just having your spouse walk with you through that healing is healing. It's amazing. The power of having someone enter in with you and being caring and kind and compassionate while you're digging up some of this painful stuff.
1: And you're not by yourself.
0: You're not by yourself. And just to have someone present is so healing.
1: Well, I just this morning had coffee with somebody and we were talking about some childhood wounds. And I said, well, what are you going to do if that person never comes around? I mean, you've got to at some level, kind of to your point, Greg, you've got to at some level learn to forgive that person and move on. I mean, you can be upset now. That's all fine. And that's reasonable. But you got to now deal with it and take responsibility for your response to that situation and and that neglect.
2: Well, and and that's the hope. The hope is now as an adult, I have many more um, ways that I can deal with this that are healthy. Maybe the ways that I learned when I was younger, that's not working out in my marriage and my relationships anymore. But the hope is that I'm strong I have the power, it's not dependent upon this other person ever acknowledging or doing anything. I can go get help. We can go get help, Erin, to your point, I love that. And that's that's actually one of my favorite things that, that I hear you talk to the couples that you work with um in, in marriage counseling is that how marriage can be so healing. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think I ever really thought about that until you started saying that. Yeah. And
0: does it surprise you that God created this amazing thing called marriage, that He would utilize it to bring healing both to the individual hearts, but that we can heal the marriage together with Him at the center of it? It just is so profound to me. But it doesn't surprise me because marriage is from God, it's It's a gift from God. Yeah. And it's a reflection of him.
1: We weren't meant to go it alone. No. So, well, if you need some professional help, we do have a team of caring Christian counselors here on staff at Focus on the Family, and it'd be a privilege for them to talk to you about uh, the struggles you're having. And uh, you can set up a free consultation. Uh, the number is eight hundred, the letter A, and the word family. Eight hundred two three two six four five nine. And uh, the Yurkoviches provide so much wisdom in their book, How We Love. Uh, it's part of our Growing Your Marriage in Times so of Stress bundle, and we can tell you more about that bundle when you call. When you get in touch, please donate, and uh, if you contribute online, we'll send the bundle to you as well. Um, the place to find that and other helps is focusonthefamily.com slash marriagepodcast or call that 800 number. We'll continue the conversation with Mylan and Kay next time. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron and the entire team here, I'm John Fuller, thanking you for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage podcast.